The other night, I was laying in bed and I was just kind of thinking to myself, why isn't she acting godly? I know other women in the church and they don't act like that. And why is she being so ungodly? Why isn't she following the Bible? And the Spirit told me and said, she is acting godly. The God in your Bible is a narcissist. And it like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Even though Asar and I for years have been talking about that church and how all the different weird stuff that happens in there, the different things that they implanted into the scriptures, I never really kind of connected the dots between why are they this way? What's going on? What it is, the God in your Bible has a narcissistic personality. And the Spirit began to reveal this to me early in the morning. So I ended up writing an article that's called God is a Narcissist. And we're going to go through this today and just talk about some of these traits that this being has and how the people who sit under him end up acting just like him. Asar is here with me. We're going to go ahead and get started. If you have not read the article, I'll put a link in the description so you can take your time and read it yourself. But yes, the God in the Bible is most definitely a narcissist. Now, when you look at narcissistic traits, I actually highlighted some of these, but they're even more than what I put in the article. The first one says that he has a pompous sense of importance. Believing everything is all about him. He is the first. He is the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. No other God can stand up to him. This is basically what Christians, people in Muslim faiths, people in Judaism believe, right? Sorry, they all believe their God is the one true God mm -hmm. and that there's none other but him. And if you even look at Exodus 20 and 3, what did it say? It says God told his followers that they could have no other God before him. So what does that mean? If I tell you, you can have no other woman before me, I'm number one. It's all about me, baby. What is he saying? Is he saying that he is the only God or is he saying, no, I better be first? He wants to be first. There's nothing else, no one else before him. And you better not put nobody in his place. Exactly. So that's narcissistic traits. When you're dealing with a narcissist, they believe that they are the only thing that matters. Nobody else around them matters. And the key here is he said no other God. So if, if I'm telling you, you better not have another woman before me. And I'm not saying I'm the only woman. I'm telling you, you better not put another one before me. That's what it's saying. And I think a lot of people miss that. They think that what he's saying is I am the only God. No, he's saying you better not put another God before me. Because there are other gods, whether you realize it or not. Way before this biblical God popped up, there were plenty of other deities that were served and worshipped on this planet before him. And there'll be many more once he's gone and removed. So what he was telling his people is, you better put me first. And if you don't, I'm going to kill your ass. That's basically what he said. I'm going to curse you, I will forsake you, and I'm going to destroy you. That's what narcissists do. If you're dealing with somebody that's a narcissist and they feel threatened, they think that you're choosing somebody over them. What are they going to do? They're going to turn on you like a rabbit dog because they're going to get upset that you don't put somebody in their place. Take this analogy here and apply it to haters. 
Now, how, what do haters do? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, real hating, man, that's like an art form, man. You know, it's like, you like a born a hater, you know, like myself, man. You know, a lot of cats think they hate, but man, I mean, I'm mad, you know, I'm mad at everything, man. You know, brother got a nice car, man. Why you got a car, man? I only got one car. Why you got Why you got three cars or a wife or all that, man? I mean, that's played out, man. I hate on that till he's totally broke and ain't got nothing like me, you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, yeah, that's what real hating is all about, man. A lot of these haters grew up in the churches or they got family members in the churches. Either way, when they go to church and they do all these communions and stuff, they're taking spirit forces with them back. Mm -hmm. And they begin to act differently, do things differently. Like you said, they don't smoke anymore, they don't drink anymore. Some happens are for the bad, some are for the good. But these spirits get on their family members. And then what happens is, as soon as you start elevating, getting something, Silky Johnston! Kiss my ass! I'm the biggest hater! Silky Mink made out of 100% rat ass! <laughs> Hit me, baby. That, of course, was beautiful talking. Beautiful on the weekends does stunts for Little Richard in gay movies. <laughs> You shouldn't have that. Why you didn't get something cheaper than that? Why you trying to be so flashy? Pitfalls come in to play now of why you should have this stuff. This is not good. You getting away from God. That's some God that wants all that stuff. And you might not even worship at all. You just trying to live. And here they come. Right. But back to the thing about that pompous sense of importance. In that situation, what I would pick up is a lot of these Christians or people in these religions, they think that they got the one true God. So if you're not doing what my God tells you to do, then all of a sudden there's a problem. So like, for example, you could have been married to a person, right? And then all of a sudden they get saved. Now that they don't confess Christ, now you're not good enough. Why? Because you don't belong to the household of faith. So either you have to go to my church and you have to convert and believe in my God or the relationship is going to end. And I've seen that happen lots of times where all of a sudden they develop this sense of arrogance, of self-importance, that they're better than you because of the God they worship. All right, so that goes back to his characteristics because see, when you're sitting under an entity and you're believing in this entity, you're worshiping this entity, that entity spirit begins to inhabit you, which is why they're taught about a Holy Ghost. They teach you that this Holy Spirit must inhabit you. But this spirit that's inhabiting these people ain't so holy if you really begin to look at it. Now, most of the people that's in the church, they don't even read the Bible. Remember, you told me years ago was a fellow you was talking to that was going to a church we attended. And he told you he don't read the Bible because he paid a pastor to read the Bible. So all he does is go to church. Mr. Pastor Huffinpuff pops up. He reads two or three verses that sound good to everybody. So the music is going. They get the jumping and thumping. And they see, you know, church is over. And nobody stopped to read the book. So as you start actually reading the book, you're going to start seeing some stuff in this book that's like, wait a minute. I don't think we're supposed to be thinking like this. Now, the next big thing that the Spirit pointed out to me is he divides his children into two categories. All right. And this is a classic narcissistic trait. Narcissists like to divide their children into what we call the golden child meaning they can do no wrong, or the scapegoat. The scapegoat is the one that's beaten up, that's talked about, that's gossiped about, 
that's ridiculed, you know, that nobody seems to like. Now, when you look at the scriptures, I'm going to start first with John 15 and 16. And it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. I.e., what is that saying? You are the chosen one. You can get anything you want. Why? Because he loves you. And it's not because of something you did because it said you did not choose this God, but he chose you. So for some reason, he just fell in love with you. And no matter what you do, he's going to continue to love you. Just ask and it will be given unto you. This is classic narcissism. When you look at a narcissistic parent, and I've been writing tons of articles about narcissism and these narcissistic parents because I've dealt with this my whole life. And I'm sure some of you who listen to me have dealt with it, you didn't realize it. That's what she did. My mother chose my sisters. For some reason, no matter what these little eggheads did, she loved them to death. They could get nasty, they could have do their work, they could tell lies, they could do whatever, and she'd cover it up. She loved them, and she made everybody around them love him. Now, I was the scapegoat. Look at Ephesians. What does it say? They are darkened in their understanding. They are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So what does that mean? What this being did was he literally chose a group of people. that He created both of them now, just like a narcissistic parent. When you're a parent, you're supposed to love all your kids equally. That's how you're supposed to be. But if you got the spirit of this God in you, you're going to divide them into two categories. And one you're going to love while the other you're going to hate. Same thing with what? Cain and Abel. No matter what Cain did for this God, he just hated him. He slapped down all his sacrifices. And eventually he made him a wanderer. Cain got so upset, he ended up killing his brother because of jealousy. Again, you see these same traits in narcissistic parents and they will harden their hearts against you. And no matter how much you try, no matter how good you are, no matter how good your grades are, no matter what you do, what you say, they're going to hate you. And there's nothing you can do to stop this level of hatred that they're going to have towards you. That's how this God is. Now, when you go to church, they'll lie to you and try to tell you God is love. God is a loving God. No, he's not. He will flip on you. Even the people who do start out loving him, once you slide to the side or you do something you're not supposed to do, he's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. That's the way he is. Now, you got to read the word to find this out. Asar, you were saying you believe it's two gods in the Bible. One that's loving and one that's evil, right? Mm-hmm. One is a dollar bra. That's the one that led them out of Egypt and did uh, got them to the wilderness. Brought them out of so brought them out of a land that they were already provided for. Mm -hmm. So obviously it wasn't that bad because if it was bad as they wrote it up, nobody would have went back. Mm -hmm. It must have been a system more closer to what we living in today. Yes. How they had houses, they had land, mm -hmm. and then he came up promising them better. And then when they left, they said, "Wait a minute, we living in the woods. We on a camping expedition." <laughs> and I said, "Wait a minute, this is not what we were promised. We going back." They didn't explain it correctly in that Bible mm. because nobody would go back and want to be chained up like no. they wrote it up, dragging big old rocks to build a pyramid. <laughs> nobody would went back to that. 
They lied. Yeah, they did. Yeah, what it was, they had a good life. He promised them better. Then when they got out there, they just had some tents and sticks. What happened when these lies came to the surface? He threatened to kill everybody. He, he did kill them. Yeah, he he let the first generation die in yeah. the wilderness. And he's waited till the second generation came. Now, this is important because the second generation did not know what Egypt was like. They had no recollection of my eye and the 42 laws of my eye. They did not know about the gold. They didn't know about the rituals. They didn't know about the power that the Egyptian or comedic gods possessed. All they knew was the God that was in the wilderness. So therefore, he could tell them anything. Then and they you, would believe it. Then when you got this narcissistic God writing the story, it didn't end like that. Because those gods that Pharaoh served would have told him, don't go out there. He's he going to put that water on top of you. You go out there, don't go out there. He never would have put his army under that harm's way. Mm -hmm. He would have known what his little plan was. Also, it's key that you guys realize this. This is how they had to spread this demonic religion worldwide. They had to get the next generation. Mm -hmm. They had to wait until all your elders, your medicine men, your shaman, all these people died off. And then they got the little people, beat them to death, and then they forced them into this religion. Now, right now, over in Africa, they're killing these Christians because they don't want that mess over there. Christian persecution is up increasing to the highest level ever reported. According to Open Doors, a ministry to the persecuted church, one in seven Christians worldwide now experience high levels of persecution or discrimination. Part of the reason that it's getting worse is because it is getting worse in more places. So particularly this year, we see the spread of violence against Christians in sub-Saharan Africa. In the 10 countries where Christians experience the most persecution, seven of them are in countries like Somalia, Sudan, and Eritrea. They get rid of it. And I got a feeling this is gonna spread worldwide as the consciousness of humanity goes up, more people are gonna begin to see that this spirit that they're worshiping is a lesser force. Now, when they were in the wilderness, I wanna go back to this. He promised them houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant. He promised them all this stuff, which is why they left Egypt in the first place. They followed Moses out there into the wilderness. They ended up traveling, wandering around forever. He let the first generation who had some wisdom die off till the ignorant ones came, which was the children. When the children came, they looked over and what did they see in the land? When they saw this golden stuff he promised, there were what in the land? Mm -hmm. Giants. They said, oh, hell no. We ain't doing this. We, we're like ants compared to them. And he told, no, come on, we're going to do this. So now he wants them to go out and kill, steal, rob, and take stuff that don't belong to them. That sounds like a what? A gangster. That's a narcissistic gangster, a mobster. That's like a mobster telling you, man, we're going to get this city, man. I'm going to give you this city. You bow down and worship me. We're going to have all this stuff. You get to New York, New York is already occupied. But he's telling you, you know what? Look, I'm God. I'm going to make sure you get it, all right? That's a gangster. That's a narcissist. And I mentioned that in this article. If you go through here, I got one down here that says he exploits others. He promised his children wealth and prosperity. But they did not realize they would have to steal it. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. 
houses filled with all kind of good things you did not provide, and wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then you will eat and you will be satisfied. So how you gonna eat and be satisfied off somebody else's labor and work? The only way to do that is to what? Take it. So when you're dealing with these people that's in these organized religions, you're dealing with gangsters. You're dealing with mobsters. You're dealing with people who don't give a damn about you or your kids. All they know is they see what you got and they want it. And they got the promise that he gonna take it from you and give it to them. That's what you're dealing with. Now, if you go back to the land of Kemet or Egypt and look at their gods, which they demonized and told you was the devil, did they do these things? No. Their gods and goddesses told you that you had to be judged by your own merit, that you had to live by the laws of Ma'at. Some of the laws of Ma'at tell you that you're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to kill. You're not supposed to be envious. You're not supposed to be jealous. You're supposed to be an upright person. That's what they teach. And what did they tell you? They told you that was the devil, didn't they, Asar? They told you those were demons. You're not supposed to do these things. So now you're starting to see, wait a minute, something here ain't right. Another thing I notice about a lot of these religious people, are they jealous. They're jealous of one another. I remember back in the day, we came up in the Bible Belt State. Well, you had the Baptist, you had the Methodist, you had the Catholic, you had the Protestant, you had the old Holy Roller. You had all kind of old Christian churches everywhere. Everybody went to church on Sunday. But they were all jealous of one another. And if you didn't go to my church, you're not really saved. If you didn't speak in my tongues, you're not saved. If you don't do what I tell you to do, you're not saved. Now, where are they getting this from? Aren't y'all worshiping the same deity? But if you read the book, Exodus 20 and 5, what does it say? It says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation, anybody who hates me. So therefore, he's jealous. They're very jealous. They're very covetous. And it created a spirit within them of jealousy. Now, go back to what you were saying earlier about these haters. Man, you ought to take that cane and beat whoever made that suit to death. <laughs> Vacuum that coat, man. Well, well, well. The most diabolical haters this side of the Mississippi. Buck Nancy, what can I say about that suit that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? It looks bombed out and depleted. And of course, the so-called beautiful. Why don't you click your heels together three times and go back to Africa? And as for you, boss ho, very insulting what you said about my coat. It's made out of your mother's pubic hair. Quite shitty. Yeah, I've witnessed being in those churches when another member starts getting elevated monetarily, they'll gang up and say, wait a minute, you gotta be careful now. The devil might be sending this money because it's getting you away from the simplicity of Christ. Your money is getting you away from God. You gotta be careful now, brother. Because that's a spirit for us. Mm -hmm. We want you to be low on your knees. Who said you have to be low to be God? Nobody told him that. That religion told that him God that. That God told yeah. him that. He told him that. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it creates uh, animosity, jealousy, yep. envy, mm -hmm. strife. I had a friend. I ain't got a luxury car. He told him, why you just didn't get something simple like a, a Corolla? 
You know, why would I want that? Or, you know, you want a trailer, well, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Just get you something, just, you know, just a little 2,000 square feet. Break me all that. Mm-hmm. That's the dumb stuff. See, living on your knees. Keep you in poverty. You should have a God that wants you to be rewarded, wants you to live good. And see, that's the spirit that we've been dealing with with my mother and my sisters of jealousy. Anytime we had try to do something for ourselves or get a nice home or get a nice car, what happens? They get jealous. They start gossiping. They start backbiting. All of a sudden, they want to make you lose it. Because that's what ends up happening. When they get jealous like that, they're going to hurt you. A jealous person is a very dangerous person. You don't want to be dealing with jealous people. And your God should not be jealous. Why? Because he's supposed to be a God. Now, let's go back to comedic sciences. Let's go back to Egypt. Their gods were not jealous of anybody. They had no reason to be jealous because they were gods. And guess what? They worshipers, their followers, they were set. When they dig the mummies up to this day, they decked out in gold. When they look at them tombs, they had gold. They had all types of precious jewels. They lived in mansions. Everybody was provided for. You did not have these class systems. All this stuff popped up with this God in this Bible because he's a jealous God. So if you're dealing with a jealous mobster, he ain't gonna want you to have but so much because you gonna outshine him, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want you to outshine them versus the comedic deities. They don't care because you can't outshine Ra. You see what I'm saying? They don't care about that. They want all their people to look good. We want all of you to have blessings. That's how we are. When we had the golden race going on, we wanted all our members to shine. We didn't want you to have broke members. We don't want the people sitting there living on their knees and can't pay the bills and, you know, living on Section 8. We told them to get off that stuff. To go and be innovative. Build yourself a business. We'll help support you. I remember at one point we had a black Wall Street job board for their businesses to try to encourage people to work for each other. That's the spirit that you need to have. And when if you are an American Negro and you listen to us, that's why you ain't got nothing because of the God you're worshiping. You're dealing with a narcissistic, jealous being who don't want you to outshine him. And again, I have to ask you, how can you outshine God? You shouldn't be able to unless he ain't what he told you he was, okay? The next classic symptom of a narcissist is lack of empathy and a narcissistic rage. A narcissist don't give a rat's ass about you or your kids. They will come in and destroy your life and they don't care you're pregnant. They don't care you're the only one working. They don't care how long it took you to get what you got. Why? Because they're a narcissist. They're demonic. Also, they will flip. Walking around, being around these people like walking on eggshells. I remember as a child pulling my hair out, just so nervous around my mother because I never knew what could make her flip. One minute she's cool, she's relaxed. The next thing you know, all hell done broke loose in the damn house. And as a child, that could lead you into just a constant state of insecurity. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't want to deal with a person like that, but that's that God that they serve. If you look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, it says, All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does what he wills with the host of heaven and the inhabitants of earth. Why? So that means he don't give a rat's ass about you. If you don't serve him, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, if you don't put him first, he will kill you. He will destroy you. And he showed you this with the flood of Noah. Well, there's a scripture that says he's going to throw the worthless, no good slave into the fire. Yes. He'll throw you into the fire of burden. Yes. And I've always told you, I said, that don't even sound right. 
Why would you take all these souls and just throw them into a burning hell with no chance at redemption? redemption. That's how you know there's something wrong with it. Because even if this is a fallen world, mm -hmm. in this world you have redemption. Yeah. So why don't he have it? Yeah, in this world you go to prison, you serve your time, you get out. Yeah. Yes. Versus all of a sudden with him, once the breath leave your body, now hold up, you didn't serve me, you're going to hell. And there's no way out of this hell. Now, let's go back again no to ancient comedic sciences. What supposedly happens with them? When you die, you do what? You go before the judgment seat. Your heart got to be lighter than a feather. If it's not, then what happens? You're going to have to try it again. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have to go and you're going to have to try it again because you didn't learn anything. So, again, you don't want to deal with somebody that is a narcissist that has this rage because you don't know what can set them off. One minute, y'all happy, everybody laughing, somebody makes a comment, and all hell done broke loose. That's why in those families, there's nothing but disorder and disarray. Yes. They are uh, mother against father. Father against mm -hmm. so he said, I come to divide. Yes. You're supposed to be bringing together, not no. causing division. Right. He sound like Miss Panita, old busybody. Hey! So they finally rented that place, huh? Been about two years. Sure hope that slumlord changed the carpet. It was so stink over there, I could taste it over here. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I love what you did with those little milk crates. That little table you made. What's that, Art Deco? Yeah, you look at me rattling on and on like you know who I am. <laughs> Hi, girl, I'm Benita Betrell. I've been here all my life. I know everybody in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl, there's some fine people in this neighborhood. There's a lot of trash, too. But I ain't one to gossip. <laughs> and her kids. Mavis! Hey! I see you got the whole gang out there today, huh? Them kids look like a pack of rag buffets. <laughs> gotta wrap them up in newspaper to take them to Sunday school. Mm -mm. You see that little one down there? That little one? No, uh, the one down there with not in his nose. Mm -hmm. That's my little godson, Chucky. crack addict in the making now. <laughs> Honey, I'm telling you, all them kids do is bad. Give me, loan me, can you spare? Every time you turn around, neither one of them would ever say, here, dog, here's a bone. <laughs> now, the mama, every time I open my door, she's hanging out there with a cup. She needs some flour. She needs some bread. She needs some eggs. She needs to take her ass to the supermarket. That's what she needs. Right. You know, then, you know, like me growing up, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and a lot of those sadistic spirits that follow him, they done left the Bible Belt, they in Ohio, mm -hmm. they in New York, they in California, they everywhere now. Mm -hmm. So everybody's going through it. You come in with a nice coat on, they laugh and telling you, take that coat out. Why don't you beat the tailor that made it? Falling out laughing. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking everything's funny. <laughs> you know, don't want you to have something nice. You got jewelry on, older like it came from Walmart. They don't want you having nothing better than them. Right. And then they don't want you feeling like you better like him. They don't want you feeling like you more elevated than them. Right. So here they come with comments, pulling you down, putting you down. Causing problems. Causing problems. Yep. They'll cause you to lose stuff. Yes, they you will. Know, you're in a nice neighborhood, they call an HOA. Mm -hmm. Telling them all kind of vicious lies to get you out. Yes. And I mean, it's just a nightmare. And I think a lot of people, again, they haven't read the Bible. They heard about it. Some of them got them in the hotel rooms in different places, but they don't read it. And then the people that's in the church, 
again, they don't really read it either. Very few don't really take the time to really read it and analyze and see what's really in there. And then they say, well, God changed now because he sent his only begotten son. And so that he died for our sins. So now we can do what we want to do and get into his pearly gates. Now let's stop and think about this for a minute. You got one kid. One, supposedly, the way the story goes. I got my one child I love with all my heart. And I'm going to take my baby and make my baby go through hell. When he was born, he was born poor. He came through a freaking carpenter. He was born in a barn. And then he was treated like trash his whole life. And then in the end of his life, he got beat to death and left on a cross to stink out in the sunlight. Then he had to go to hell for three days to get these keys to free a bunch of wicked people on the earth. Why would I do this if I'm God? Then they made it seem like that's the only time of redemption you had. After he left, you stuck there for eternity. You ain't coming back. That whole thing, it's like, they came up with that Dante's Inferno. Yeah, it's they all psychotic. Yeah, mentally psychosis. Basically, the story of Christ is similar to the movie we saw Black Phone, with a weirdo beating up the kids and killing them. Why would I take my only begotten child and allow him to go through all this pain and suffering for a bunch of wicked yeah, ass people? So again, you have to be careful when you're dealing with these religious fanatics because you got to understand the energy that's powering them. When they join these churches, they make them confess Christ. When you confess Christ, you're inviting a spirit to live inside of you. This spirit living in them, that's inhabiting them, is a very low energetic force. Which is the reason why they don't see anything wrong with poverty. The reason why they think it's okay for you to be jealous and envious of one another. Why they think it's okay to gossip and to backbite and to do underhanded stuff is because that's what that spirit does. It's a low force. It's a lower nature. And you have to realize that that's not what you want in life. I know me personally, I don't. I lived like that for a very long time. It kept me in sadness and despair. You don't want to keep being somebody's footstool. Something that always turned the other cheek. People hurting you and you too scared to say anything back because you don't want to enrage your narcissistic God who's going to throw you into a hell forever. You want to be able to stand up for yourself, to speak your truth, to live your life the way that it's supposed to be lived so that you can learn and elevate. Not be stuck here in an infantile state for all of eternity. Because that's what's going to happen. That's how you have these old women in their 80s, 90s, 70 years old. And they don't have any wisdom. And you're thinking to yourself, how don't you know anything? They're still like babies, like children. Because that's what they taught them. In order to enter his kingdom, you have to be like what? A child. You got to be childish. Have a kid's mentality where children just take things literally. You got to grow up. You got to realize that a lot of that stuff in that book was a whole bunch of tales, a bunch of stories, a bunch of fables, and you can't really go out there doing this stuff and implementing it. Because if you do, people are going to think you're crazy. And that's what the Spirit was showing me about my mother. She literally took this stuff that she read in this book and she began to apply it to her life thinking that she was doing the right thing. She really thought that by sabotaging us, calling the neighbors, sending these letters, lying on you, that because it's Bible, so that's what God does, that's what she's supposed to do. That's tough love. That's no such thing as tough love. All right? Love should not hurt. When love hurts, it's not love. That's hate. That's what they tell you. It's a thin line between love and hate.
radio station in the world. In the world. Is right here. Right now. The Golden Race. Conscious radio for the conscious community. 